Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back. What is going on? WGC event, 78 golfers in the field. If you have been new to golf because of the whole pandemic and the Millie Makers, we got an actually a $500,000 to first. I wasn't thinking we were going to get that. I was thinking we might be lucky if we get $200,000 to first on DraftKings, but we're talking the betting market right now. So what's going on? Hopefully you had a fantastic weekend. Not sure if anybody had the outright Michael Thompson winner this past weekend. Had a little bit of a sweat at one point where it looks like Max Homo is the only potential opportunity to maybe force a playoff. Doesn't end up happening, but I appreciate you all being here today. We're going to go through the bets, some of my early leans, some of the bets I've already placed as it is right now, 6.30 a.m. East Coast time on Monday. So hoping to snag some of the best lines that we can throughout the entire week. And before we get into it if you do me one big favor and hit the like button on this video and big old subscribe when it pops up bottom right hand corner it takes just a couple of seconds of your time for these videos to actually continue to come out in the betting space and, and dfs space and just having the ability to reach more people that is the biggest way to do it organically is by you guys interacting and engaging within the video with the like and the big one hitting that subscribe button so i do thank you in advance and today's sponsor of the show is going to be super draft multiplier formats if you're familiar with daily fantasy sports and even if you're not even if you're just a sports better i urge you to check it out promo code sal will get you ten dollars over there and pretty much what you do, you can play any golfers that you want. And if it's going to be a quote unquote good golfer, shorter odds like a John Rom, whatever fantasy points they score based on where they finish in the tournament and amount of birdies and eagles they pick up, negative points for bogeys, double bogeys, that sort of thing. Pars are a little bit of a, a kind of a neutral spot for you in the in that type of a scoring, but pretty much they'll get one times their points. But if you scroll down the leaderboards to somebody like a Corey Connors, who's not supposed to be as good of a golfer compared to them, and based on the Vegas odds, won't be anywhere near that, well, now you're going to start to get like one and a half times the points. So you can play any golfers you want. It's just sort of a strategy game. You can play the best golfers on the slate, but you can also try and pick up some guys down below who might get double the amount of points. So check it out and get 10 free dollars upon sign up with promo code Sal Superdraft. I'll link up the information down below for that. But with that said, yes, we have left the 3M open field, which was, I mean, the winner of the 3M open field, nothing against Thompson. He's won before, but I believe Honda like a while ago, if I, if I recall, 2012, 2013. But uh, yeah, it was kind of something that you can expect, especially when some of the top guns just don't make the weekend and Paul Casey and Tommy Fleetwood ever since Tommy double bogeyed, I believe the final hole on Thursday, the opening day, he just did nothing on Friday to really kind of give you any hope that he was going to get low enough. And really, he only needed to shoot like a two or three under, but he just couldn't get there. He wasn't scoring. And that was kind of the trend for a lot of guys. Brooks Kepka coming in somewhat, maybe still injured, defending his championship here from last year. We'll see what he can do after being cut last week and not playing well as of late. Paul Casey being cut in back-to-back -back events and Paul Casey just kind of having some blow-up holes as of late and really ruined his tournaments. Paul Casey is a guy who we're going to look at his odds. I, I've taken a brief look at the odds. He's one of the guys I wrote down, but there's some really good odds numbers that you're going to find out there. Some odd ones as well in terms of how long they are to start the day. And what you're doing there is you're just trying to bet the number rather than the form on these guys. And it's going to be hard to ignore some of the, the numbers on some of these players. Appreciate you being here. Let's hop into it. We're going to start at the top of the board right now. We're going to see some players in the teens. And there's going to be a lot of golfers in the teens. And it's a WGC event. So what I should let you know, if you're not familiar, 78 golfer field, no cut. So all these golfers are playing all four days unless they withdraw from the event. The top eight in the world are here in this field at St. Jude's in Memphis. It's going to be the second year that it's been a WGC, a World Golf Championship, rather than just being a full field event with your cuts, normal how you were used to the past couple of months or couple of weeks since golf has returned. 45 of the top 50 are here. You're going to have Brooks Kepka, the winner from last year. He won his first WGC with Webb Simpson finishing runner up, and he's also in this field. There's going to be a couple of players making their debuts. It's going to be Henrik Stenson headlining that. Then you're going to also have Norris, 
Herbert, Soderberg, and McIntyre are making their debuts here. Some other good course history, Nuggets from St. Jude's, again, not the WGC, since last year was the first year here, but Daniel Berger has won 2016 and 2017 at the St. Jude's during their full field event, and also Dustin Johnson has won twice here as well. So that's sort of the field notes on what's to expect here. Course notes are that it's a par 70. It's only 7,200 yards, a little bit over that, but it's a par 70, so it's actually going to play pretty long. So off the tee game, uh, basically like approaching off the tee, which is going to factor in ball striking, is what I'll be looking at here. Short game to an extent actually looks better here than normal. You're going to want to be accurate fairways here. You're going to be a little bit thinner, somewhat tree-lined at times, and there's going to be a lot of water hazards. So you want to be accurate. You want to be hitting your fairways. It's been a little bit more difficult than average to hit fairways here. Now it's played about around difficult to average depending on the hole last year or depending on the round. Two rounds were hard, two rounds were average relative to just hitting fairways relative to tour average. But in general, because of those hard rounds, it's going to be more difficult than on average. I think 7% more difficult. So it's something that you want to be looking at. Greens and regulation, weighting it a little bit more, right? And also just getting your your driving accuracy a little bit more weighted. So those are the things I'm going to be looking at. Um, other than that, nothing major, Bermuda green. So it's going to be playing a little bit faster there. And again, beware of the many hazards. So now we have an idea of the course. We have an idea of the field. Some of the key stats I'm looking at, like I said, there's only going to be two par fives here. So we want to look at par four scoring. We want to look at, like I said, ball striking to an extent, somewhat of the short game, the putting, that type of thing as always, um, but never like a major factor. And then driving accuracy and greens and regulation, I'll be looking at more this week than usual. Guys up at the top, you're going to get John Rahm defending his title at the Memorial. Now, the first time that he's taken the field as the world's number one. So it's pretty exciting stuff that you're going to get see, to see Rom out there and see sort of what the competitive edge is for a guy like Rory, who's been the world's number one for quite some time now. Does Rory come out here? And these odds are not that enticing to me. If I was to bet one of these guys in the teens, I would be betting Rory here. Um, now, Bryson's going to have an advantage with his off the tee. The ball striking is a little bit of a concern there. Rory is probably the best ball striker. Justin Thomas can argue with me on that one in terms of these teens players who the best ball striker is. I'll side with Rory, but it's neck and neck with him in JT. And then when you factor in just the overall putting of these players, that's where Rory can kind of jump out a little bit more. So if I was to bet one of these players in the teens, you can see their numbers right now on the screen. Like Rom is nine to one in some places. So you would have to get the leader. Now, I don't want to be betting a favorite in the stack field. It is nice to see that there's no single digits, at least all, all across the board, like betting a single digit favorite, nine to one favorite in this loaded of a field with 45 of the top 50. Um, it's just not a long-term profitable approach. I don't think any of these teens guys really stand out. Like if you were to get Rory at like 16 or 18 to one, I would jump that. 12 to 1 is the best number that you can see right now on Rory that I'm seeing. That's probably where I would go from going in the teens, but full disclosure, I'm probably not betting the teens numbers. Now, Patrick Cantley is all across the board right now 16 to 1, 18 to 1, 20 to 1. I actually think that that's not terrible. Uh, Patrick Cantley does set, set up well here. You're going to see like a top 10 T to green player in this field, even in this loaded field. Top 12 when it comes to his overall ball striking numbers. When you're trying to look at some of the other areas that I want to be looking at this week, I really do want to be looking at just overall your ability to hit fairways, right? Your ability to hit fairways here because, yes, you don't, you're not going to miss the cut but I want to be looking at birdie or better averages, how you can score. And if you're going to be getting in fairways and setting yourself up for good greens and regulations numbers, that's going to help. So Cantley is not going to be one of the best in the field in greens and regulation. Scrambling can drop a little bit for him. Um, so probably not going to get there either. Right now, my card's not going to start until I think Xander. I've seen 22 to one numbers on Xander. I grabbed that 22 to one number on Xander right here. So you can see some spots he's 18 to one, some spots he's 22. So I do think we're getting some value there because based on where it's opening and, and moving down to, Xander probably goes into the teens at some point this week and then I wouldn't be want to be betting his as much but a couple of reasons why I like Xander um, in terms of a fantasy national stat uh, database you can check it out it is I'll link it up down below it is number four and he is number four in good drives in this field so overall his fairway accuracy has been pretty good so far he's going to be a birdie or better type of a, a, a scene if you will when you look across the board he's six in tee to green seventh in ball striking which I I very much care about here and if you keep looking across the board his only iffy spot will be putting and he's still above average in putting in this field and again putting will be variant but lately he's been coming on and Xander is going to be a popular playing DFS format 
formats, but maybe I don't play him as much there because of that. But if I get my hedge in betting and I actually like him in the betting markets, it's something that does stand out. He's been playing fantastic since the restart. I mean, you look at it, his finishes third, 64th, 20th, 14th, and 13th, and he lost five strokes at the Memorial and still finished 13th. The guy just went absolutely off with his off the tee game, which is important here, seven strokes gained. And then his recent form on approach, 4.6 strokes gained and 5.1 strokes gained in his last two outings, gained strokes tee to green in three straight and four out of his last five. So you're telling me that you're getting somebody who's accurate. You're telling me that you're getting, I believe, let me look at Xander right now. He is number one in this field, I believe right now. Yes, he is. He's number one in this field in greens and regulation, which is again, how often you're going to have an opportunity to putt for birdie. And the putting for him is kind of all over the place. Like it's nothing. He did lose five strokes in Memorial, but that is just like kind of an outlier for him. It's nothing that's really detrimental. Before losing that, he gained four out of his last five contests. And pretty much that's all the contests since the return. So yeah, I think that Xander at 22 to one makes a lot of sense. If you're looking at recent form, checks the box. If you're looking at win pedigree in a loaded field, checks that box without a doubt. And if you're just looking at his historical form and what he's been doing, I mean, just since the restart, not just totally recent, like last two events, but last five or six events, everything has looked really good. The only event where he really struggled, his approach game got away from him at the RBC Heritage where he barely made the cut and then finished 64th. Other than that, it's been top 20 and top 15 performances the entire way for Xander. And this loaded of a field, 22 to one Xander looks really good here. Accurate greens regulation, all those things, the ball striking clicks off the tee. So Xander at 22 to one, I placed a bet on right now. Um, there's a lot of guys that are in the bomb range, like the hundred plus one range that I'll call out. Their numbers are going to look nice, but keep in mind that these are the best players in the world, 45 of the top 50 playing four days. So it's not like you had last week where Tommy Fleetwood. And, and I mean, there wasn't many players in that field, but Tommy Fleetwood, Dustin Johnson had a withdraw Brooks, like in fields where you have those guys who have a bad Friday or have a bad Thursday or Paul Casey two weeks ago, where he had one hole that was bad, right? He shot like a snowman on a par three. It was terrible. It's hard to make that up in time to make the cut if you're doing that on your Thursday or Friday round. But if you do that and now you don't have any cut to worry about, you can go out there and you can shoot your four or five unders on Saturday, your four or five unders on Sunday, and you're right back in contention. So it's much harder for guys who aren't normally consistent, like they only have one or two good rounds in them that get them to the cut and then they're good fantasy scorers, but never really threaten or good top 20 upside, but never really threaten to win. It's harder to want to bet them in an outright market. You obviously get thrown the really good 100 plus to one numbers on them, and we'll get to them in a second. But just seeing them actually beat 45 of the other top 50 the world, or maybe they're they're ranked like 40th, but beating 39 of the other top 40 in the world is really difficult to want to bet on. Again, the numbers are going to look nice. I'll probably snag one or two of them, but I'm not going to be having too much emphasis in that range. So I think this range is really attractive, like Webb and, and Hovland and, and Morikawa, like these. And, and I mean, you could throw Berger into there just based on like having the course history, but these names and also Berger's playing really well, but these names are like all the types of profiles that I want to be betting here. I have to bet in on Xander, but if you want to look at Morikawa, obviously he has now two wins on tour. He's been in a playoff twice this year, won one and lost one. He beat JT in the most recent one. So I definitely think this guy now has the pedigree and the stones to win in a field like this. He comes in second in this field in good drives. He comes in second in ball striking only behind Hovland, number one approach player in the field. So I'm looking at that and all these things start to check out. This range right here of golfers is exactly the range that I think looks great. I wish they were closer to 30 to one. I mean, some of them are, if you get down to like uh, Berger at 28 to one in some spots, but Xander, Webb Simpson, Victor Hovland and Colin Morikawa, I would not be shocked if the winner from this event comes out of here. Their profiles really do line up. Some of them being really good in green, green and regulation, but some of the best ball strikers in the world who are good at putting when it comes to Webb and Xander can get there enough. The ones who aren't are Hovland and Morikawa, although Hovland's short game is improving. And then you get guys who are just solid off the tee. So yeah, I think all their profiles really match up. It, in terms of DFS, the ones that are lower owned, I'll take. But in terms of the betting market, right now, Xander's a guy that I have. And I'm going to decide throughout the rest of the week, which one of these guys, they all seem to be like 25 or 22 to one, which one of these guys I want to take. I think Hovland is the one who has the least experience and sort of like down the stretch. He had that 
that little down the stretch with Justin Thomas and Morikawa a couple weeks back when Morikawa ended up winning. Doesn't really have that experience in terms of closing out a field like this outside of the Puerto Rico Open. That wasn't a field like this, right? So it's going to be interesting to see what I want to do here. I might take another one out of these three. I probably will between Morikawa, Hovland, and Webb. I'm leaning between Webb and Hovland. Hovland, you get the better number of 25 to one, whereas Webb, it's only at 22 and 20 to one in some spots. So I'll come back on that. I'll probably post my final card on Twitter later in the week, but I'm going to be starring some of these things. So for right now, I'm going to star Xander because I already bet him and I'm going to star these other three golfers for potentially betting one of them. Probably going to come down. I'll, I'll leave Morikawa out of it for right now. Probably going to come down to Hovland and Webb. As you scroll down more, Daniel Berger, I mean, yeah, if you, if you want to get to Berger, he started off really hot. I believe he was three under the last time that we saw him, which was, I believe, at the Memorial. Starts off three under and then just kind of just falls off the face of the earth a little bit. Um, if you're looking at Berger, this upside that you're going to get from him, really good putter, really good around the green. He is going to be fine when it comes to ball striking, but not the elites of the elites. Probably stay away from him. Hatton has been fantastic everywhere you've seen Hatton. Hatton at 28 to one in some spots. You like to see that. He's top five in overall strokes gain total in this field. He's going to be fine everywhere, right? He's really not going to pop off in one specific area. You're going to get a good putter out of him. You're going to get usually good approach play. But when it comes to ball striking, probably be right around the top 20 in this field. Not like the elite of the elite at anything, just very sound and solid everywhere. The putter will be the thing that gets away from him at times. Hatton, we haven't seen for a little while now. Last time we saw Hatton was, I believe, like um, almost a month ago. It was at the Rocket Mortgage to start the year. He gained almost six strokes putting. The event before that, he gained almost 10 strokes putting. This is Hatton's finishes um, this year. Sixth, first, third, and fourth. One of those was the WGC. One of those was the Arnold Palmer, a very tough tournament that he actually went, went on to win. And then three easier courses with the RBC and Rocket Mortgage finishes third and fourth. So obviously Hatton is somebody that I will have some interest in. I wish we would get a 30 to one number. 28 to one on Hatton is very good. Obviously he's playing fantastic everywhere right now. The off the tee game is the one concern. Like this is a par 70. So you're going to need to have some distance and accuracy with that. Not concerned with the accuracy as much as the off the tee game compared to other competitors in this field for him to outright win. I don't doubt that he can finish top 10. I don't doubt that he can finish top five, but to outright win off the tee has been a very key stat here. And that's the one piece of his game that is not bad, but I would say it's probably the weakest part of his game. If his putter is clicking, it's definitely the weakest part of his game. So 28 to one is a fine number if you wanted to bet it. I think it's okay. Tommy Fleetwood, you're seeing in the 30 to one number now. Uh, he was just like the best golfer in this field last week or in the field last week at the 3M, obviously a totally different field. It was the first time that we saw Tommy back and he just couldn't score. Like he wasn't blowing up dramatically in places, had that double bogey in the final hole, but he just couldn't end up scoring. So it was a little bit of a concern. And I'm not going to take a ton away from that. Going right back to the number that they reduced the market on, right? They reduced the market on Webb. He ends up and goes out and wins. They reduced the market on Colin Morikawa. He goes out and wins. So you buy these guys to low points. I do think 33 to one is a low point number on Tommy or 30 to one in a lot of places. Uh, that's fine as well. I think that I'll consider betting it, but I'd much rather bet between Webb and Hovland and you don't even get a better number on them. And then I don't want to be getting too many guys. I'll probably make three or four bets this week, one or two bombs. Um, bet betting one on Tommy is a good number here. He's going to come into this field, probably a borderline top 12, top 10, definitely top 15 when it comes to ball striking, when it comes to his ability to one scramble. Uh, but then also when you're looking at scrambling, also coming into the fact of greens regulations that we're looking at, uh, driving accuracy, all these types of things for Tommy. He is going to be somebody that you question a little bit of win upside with when he's comes over to the actual tour side, especially in this type of a field. But Tommy is somebody that I'll check off because you're getting a discount. If Tommy made the cut last week and just played decent, didn't have to win the tournament, finishes like T12, T9, he's probably going to come in this week somewhere around those 22 to one numbers. So I do think you're getting a little bit of a built-in discount. Dustin Johnson coming off of a terrible performance where he withdrew because of a back. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not going to question what the guy said. Probably not going to be in on Dustin. Probably not going to be in on the defending champs, Brooks Kepka. Um, it, it's, it's just not something I want to be toying around with. He's looked really bad. They came out before last week and said this guy is still has like a similar injury in terms of spots coming up on the scans that they're doing of his knee. So I'm just going to stay away from that. Even with the defending champ, even with the 33 to one number. Hideki, I just don't want to be betting at these numbers. Like I don't want to bet Hideki 
to win outright. Like obviously Jordan Speed, there's a lot going on. He hasn't won in three years. Hideki hasn't won in like three plus years. So I don't really have any interest in betting Hideki until he wins. And then his numbers will get cut in half. So it's fine. But if you've been throwing darts at Hideki for the last year and a half at spots where you think he'll set up nicely, which this one is one of them, the putting's a concern, but the ball striking will be there for Hideki, of course. He currently ranks top 10 in this field in ball striking. So yes, he's going to set up nicely here. He's going to be fine off the tee, all that type of stuff. The concern for me is just win upside and I'm not going to be betting it. Matthew Fitzpatrick, Tony Finau, like this range now is just guys that I think they're fair numbers, but I don't, I question just how fair those numbers are in this loaded of a field. Like Fitzpatrick at 35 to one, that just seems like a normal field number on Fitzpatrick, 28 to one in some spots. I know he's playing well. Tony Finau is obviously playing well, but then there's the same exact thing with Hideki. Tony Finau down the stretch has just not been able to show it. Tony Finau does set up nicely at this course as well. You're going to get a guy who really does hammer it on when it comes to approach. When it comes to his off the tee game, those are strong pieces. So Tony Finau does set up nicely here. 35 to one is a fair number. If you want to go ahead and bet it, bet it. I'm just probably not going to. So before we keep going down the board, I would just like to ask you to hit the like button for me real quick. Take a second of your time and the big old subscribe button just popping up on the screen. Bottom right hand corner, you can hit that. Take a second of your time. And if you want a chance to win $50, no money in on your part. This is just a free roll. $50. If you leave a review on the podcast, either if you're listening over there right now or you're watching on YouTube, I don't. You can go over there, the Sal Vetri Show. I'll link it up down below. You leave a review. It takes literally 60 seconds at most. It takes two seconds at the five stars. And then you write something for like 30 seconds about the show. Leave a way for me to contact you. I reach out to people on Sunday each week. Last week, Greg A won. Don't know the last name, but Greg A ended up winning. Left a way for me to contact him. So be sure to leave a way for me to contact you. That is linked down below if you want a chance to win $50. Check out Superdraft. Like I said, sponsor of today's show, $10 for free. Multiplier format. If you want to get a little more action in promo code Sal. Let's get back into this lovely video. Patrick Reed, you're going to need a hot round of putting out of. Let's check in with Patrick Reed and see how he's been doing lately. So Reed comes into this event, obviously, if not arguably the best putter in the field with Webb, right up there with Webb. But then you look at everything else and it starts to become a little bit of a concern. He's not terrible when it comes to off the tee and approach, but he's probably below average in this field. If you're looking at what he's done recently, attempted the Memorial. Want to know why? Because he gained five strokes putting. So whenever Patrick Reed's going to go for over five strokes putting, he's going to finish top 10. That's what's happened every single time this year. He gained 12 strokes putting, won the WGC. So he's won the last WGC he's played in, of course, gained seven strokes putting at the Charles Schwab, finished seventh. And then he gained five strokes and he finished top 10. So It all really does come down to the putter. The problem though for him is that the approach play is pretty skeptical at times. He can just absolutely lose it. And then when it comes to the off the tee game, it's actually pretty like neutral. It's not devastating. It's not brutal. It's not the worst part. It might be the worst part of his game, but it's not like pulling him under every week. But in a field like this, where yes, there's no cut, it's just a matter of setting yourself up for birdie opportunities. You do like to see that Patrick Lee can just get hot with the putter, right? If the off the tee game is somewhat decent, like he gained 3.8 strokes off the tee. That's the most he's gained in a while. Set himself up for 5.1 strokes game putting. So if you can get good off the tee numbers, from him, the approach play just to be decent and how it's been gaining like a stroke per tournament over the last 20 tournaments, then Patrick Reed can actually be a pretty nice bet here. 35, I wish we got a 40 to one number on him. I'll highlight Patrick Reed. He's definitely not somebody that I'm betting yet, uh, but I do think it's interesting. So now we get over to this range and I'm, I actually do like this number on Gary Woodland at 45 to one. If you've been following my content, you've been betting Gary Woodland or you've just been playing him in DFS. It's been sort of a roller coaster of emotions. Uh, the last times we've seen him, he's been pretty decent, but before that, not so great. And it seems like he's figured some things out, but then it seems like he hasn't figured some things out. So at the RBC Heritage, he finishes 62nd and he loses everything off the tee. It's not looking good. Then at the Travelers, he misses the cut and he's losing off the tee. He's losing everywhere at that point on approach. It's not looking good. Now he's a top 10 approach player in this field. When it comes to his off the tee game, that can be skeptical. It's around the green game. Very bad. He's only gained around the green. One of them, his last event at the Memorial twice in like his last 10 contests. So that's not great. But I'm not too concerned with around the green here as I am with approach, which is the approach game for the most part has been very solid, gaining 6.2 strokes on approaches last time we saw him, 1.3 the event before that. If the putter gets going, he'll be fine. It got going in a major way and it has been getting going. He's gained strokes putting in his last eight events. So that's good to see from Gary Woodland. The biggest question mark for me is what is the off the tee game going to be looking like? 
His off the tee game, he has lost strokes now in four of his last five contests. It looks like he gained it back when he was at the workday, gaining over three strokes off the tee. He was the best off the tee scorer in Thursday of the workday, the first round there, the first weekend that they played Mirrorfield Village before the Memorial. And then the next week he comes out and he loses almost four strokes off the tee. The only reason that he actually finished his top 22 and finished as well was because a lot of that came down the stretch one and two, he gained over six strokes on approach. He's sort of this polarizing figure where he had to get really hot on Friday. He had an eagle just to make the cut and he did. Um, well, not on the last hole, but like it was like hole 16, he eagled and ended up making his cut security pretty much good. And then he just took over the weekend, like the best golfer on the weekend and he finishes top five. And everything from pretty much that point on that Thursday event, Friday was a little bit shaky, but Saturday and Sunday looked like it was vintage Gary Willen. He comes out the next week, he performs fine, but some other question marks start to pop off with the off the tee game. I'm going to highlight Gary Woodland here. Again, the only bet that I've placed so far, the guys we've talked about is Xander, and I'm probably going to be betting two of these guys. So we'll talk about one more guy here. I'll highlight answer because I like the number at 55 to one. I do think answer sets up really nicely for this field. I do think answer has also been playing very, very solid to this point. So if you look into it a little bit more, answer is in this field, a top 15 player in a lot of the key areas that I'm looking at um, when it comes to ball striking, his approach and uh, off the tee game or top 20. When it comes to just good drives and driving accuracy, he'll be up there in that range as well. And when you look at his recent form, what you're getting out of answer is um, pretty solid play since the return 14th, a second and 11th and a 58th. Where did he go wrong? In his recent 58th at the Memorial, a very tough venue, especially once we hit the weekend and played very difficult. Well, he lost seven and a half strokes on approach. A lot of that came from about two holes, but again, seven and a half strokes on approach, not good. He did game over five strokes putting. So he would have finished dead fucking last if his putter wasn't absolutely scorching. I'm not going to take a ton away from that because again, a lot of that happened on the weekend and the weekend was brutal for everybody. A lot of players approach numbers are going to look bad on the weekend. So you can kind of give a pass. Again, something we can maybe do with Gary Woodland's off the tee game because on the weekend, he started to lose off the tee because everybody was just losing. Again, it's all relative to what the field's doing, but it was just a very difficult track to play on. Before the Memorial, you had answer just getting scorching hot everywhere. Uh, gaining on approach 4.2, 11.8, 4.7. Hitting the greens and regulations on like 18 of 18 holes, I believe at the RBC Heritage and still not winning the event. It just absolutely brutal. So yeah, I think answer's at a 55 to one number. I have placed a bet on that. So um, those are the two bets I play so far. Answer 55 to one, Xander 22 to one. And then in this range below 100 to one, because you quickly get to the 100 to one range, right? There's only a couple more golfers down here. Stenson's making his return. Probably don't want to touch it. Sanjay took a couple weeks off or took a week off. Now he's 90 to one, 80 to one. You can get there. I'm just going to wait and see. It's a very good number on Sanjay if you think he's the golfer before the stoppage. But since the stoppage, he's been probably hurt the most by that whole coronavirus stoppage. He went from winning events to finishing second and third and placing very highly. Backdoor top 10 the first week back. But then he's been struggling since then. So I placed a bet on Xander. I placed a bet on answer to this point. And then I'm probably going to place one or probably two more bets and have just a four bet total card, maybe one or two bombs. Um, but I'm probably going to have Xander, answer definitely. And then I'll have two more of Webb, Hovland, Tommy Fleetwood, and Patrick Reed. If I had to guess right now where I'd go, um, I'll probably choose one of Webb and Hovland, and then I'll choose one of Tommy and Patrick Reed. So I get sort of different ranges on the card. That's where I'm at right now, though, in terms of the below 100. I'll, I'll start to scroll down to get to our, our 100 plus range. And again, very much caution down here because it's a tough field. But when I see this man's name right here, Paul Casey is 100 to 1. And Paul Casey... I literally just said it the other day. Paul Casey is on my, my do not playlist, but that's more so for DraftKings. He's cost me in back-to-back weeks. He cost me a lot this past week, but also the week before that shooting aid. An eight on a par three, battling back to not do anything, but he's top five in this field in ball striking. When you go to his overall good drives numbers, you want to know where he pops up there? 10th overall. So he's setting up nicely in terms of the profile that I want to look at, but then let's look, let's look at the recent form and what's been happening with Paul Casey. So at the Memorial, he lost four strokes around the green. A lot of that came from having a snowman right on a par three. And then this last event, he was just kind of very much all over the place. 
he just didn't score low enough. He wasn't catastrophic, but yeah, it's not great. His first event back when I was at the Travelers, he looked pretty good pretty much everywhere. Average finishes T32. In this loaded field with not great recent form, you're getting him at 100 to 1. Being a top eight off the tee player and a top five overall with your ball striking and approach play. So Casey sets up nicely here. A lot of you watching this are going to barf in your mouth who played him last week in DFS and bet on him at 25 to 1 because he doesn't make the cut. But that's a, an interesting guy that I want to look at. And then the other guy that I'm probably not going to bet, I'll probably choose one of these two guys to bet, but Corey Connors is the other one who sets up nicely here. You're just going to have to worry about his around the green play and his putting. That's awful. That's way worse than Paul Casey's and Paul Casey's putting is not good either. I mean, Corey Connors is arguably the worst putter in this field. I, I'm sure he's going to rank out right down there with Hideki as some of the worst putters in this field. The issue or the thing with Corey Connors is he's not Hideki's price point of like 30 to one. He's 100 and 110 to one in some spots. I think bet 365 is 110 to one on here. And he's also somebody who's going to grade out really nicely with ball striking eighth overall and sixth in this field, according to Fantasy National when it comes to good drives right now. So that's good. Fairways gained. He's also solid. He's number two in greens and regulation, a stat that I'm really keying in on only behind a guy right now in Xander. So you know what? I think Connor's 110 to one. It is hard to see his putter clicking for four straight days, right? Like if you knock out half the field and now he only has to beat uh, not as great of a field. If there was a cut in this one on the weekend and hang on, it feels a little bit better. Like it feels like the number should be like 130 to one, um, but I'm going to probably take Connors here at 110 to one. I'll place that bet after the show. I'll think about going Casey. Like he's hundred to one. Like if you put 10 bucks on him, you got a thousand dollar winner there for the nice bet. Obviously I think Paul Casey's going to win an event in his next hundred outings. So that number I do think is value, but you always have to bring it back to the relative of the field strength for this specific event. Definitely difficult to see Casey winning. Difficult to see Corey Connors winning, but they profile out nicely, at least out of these guys here. I think they profile out as pretty good DFS plays once we get to that point as well. Other than that, some bombs in this range. I think Brendan Todd's worth a mention. I think Max Home at 140 to one in some spots. Like the numbers on Max Homa this week, 140 to one, 125, 80 and 80 to one. I'd imagine Homa gets down closer to 100 to one range, playing very well as of late, playing well, I mean, since the start of 2020 for the most part. So I think Homa at 140 to one doesn't profile out as well here. The irons will be his game. Like that's exactly what you want out of Homa. Short game around the green normally won't click for him off the tee is a little bit of a concern though so that's where i'm at i'm not going to be betting any of these like 200 to 1 favorites benny ann is 160 to 1 um he's going to profile out as a guy who's good with the ball striking terrible putting similar to a guy in Corey connor's except benny ann's not going to be as i would say accurate when it comes to his off the tee and his driving so just a little bit of a recap i bet xander 22 to 1 i bet answer 55 to 1 i'm about to bet Corey connor's 110 to 1 and then i'm going to be thinking about the, the differences between webb simpson 22 to 1 victor hovland 25 to 1 tommy fleetwood 30 or 33 to one, whatever numbers left. And then you're going to be getting 35 to one Patrick Reed, maybe hundred to one Paul Casey. I'll probably bet one to two of those other guys have a total card of about five bets. And we'll go from there on our outrights. So I appreciate you tuning into this video. Be sure to check out the DraftKings video that was actually, this one's going to release Tuesday morning. That one released Monday around the afternoon, whenever the salaries come out. Thank you for tuning in. My name's Sal. Be sure to check out SuperDraft again, just 10 free dollars using the promo code Sal down below. Also hit that like button before you go. And a big old subscribe button if you do appreciate this content. Thank you very much.